Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Good morning, good morning. Please take your seats. How are you this morning? My voice is a little bit croaky, but I'm sure we'll be fine. And it's so good to see a full house this morning gathering to, uh, I believe, be touched by God in a very real way. Uh, Before I go any further, I just want to say absolute joy uh, to be with you guys. We have been friends for such a long time. Uh, I couldn't make it last year because I had to have an operation. Uh, The doctors thought that I had bowel cancer, and so I had to go in for a major operation. I was booked to come last year. I did say to the doctor, well, I have to have chemo after the operation, and he said, I think you do. I said, well, I lose my hair. And uh, so he looked at me and thought that wasn't very funny. Uh, I was trying to be funny. I said, I'll play the piano after the operation. And he goes, we're operating on your stomach, not your hands. I said, no, no, well, I'll be able to play the piano. He said, sure you will. I said, that's great, because I couldn't play it before. <laughs> so, you know, so you've got to laugh sometimes or you'll cry. But, but the good news, God was good, and uh, it was a benign tumour. And so now I'm happy I won't lose my hair. And, uh, you know, uh, and so we go through co- contrasts in life. We go through good times, we go through challenging times, and today I'm going to share one of probably the hardest messages for me to share. In 2016, on the 22nd of January, in the Adelaide Hills, my son was killed by a lightning strike. Uh, It's been a horrible two years, and I'm going to share my journey, because when I gave my life to Jesus, it was for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, and I know God will never divorce me, and so I want you to know this morning, God can be trusted in every season, and I'm going to stand before you today and not bleed over you, but bless you, give you the tools that I think we all need to navigate difficult times. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to go down a different direction and talk about how you can have your own God story that will absolutely become our story, that will become his story, and we will make history as we follow Jesus in a way that is authentic and real and very personal. I mean, I've been going to church all my life. I went nine months before I was born. I'm a third-generation preacher. My granddad started the first Pentecostal church in southern Italy. And uh, he got saved after the Second World War. Missionaries from America, Italians, went to visit the towns around the south of Italy. And in an old barn, my grandfather was a tobacco farmer. He got filled with the Holy Ghost, didn't even know what it was. Spoke in other tongues, didn't know what that was, but it came on him in a barn as he heard the gospel, walked out of Catholicism because in that era Catholicism had a lot of idolatry in Italy if you didn't give money to the priests they wouldn't bless your house and there was all this stuff they weren't allowed to read the Bible for themselves and so all of a sudden the scriptures became alive and out of a town of 900 people 12 pastors have come out of that town one of them was my dad who went to South America a place called Montevideo Uruguay and I was born there in 1956 and they started a church, and out of that church, 22 churches are there today in, the, in that part of Uruguay. And then my dad took us to Australia, my mum and I, I'm an only child, and, uh, and in Adelaide planted the first Italian uh, sort of Pentecostal work, the first registered Italian Pentecostal work in Australia. So I've been in church all my life. And you don't need a sermon this morning. You need impacting truth that can change your life and change my life, no matter what the circumstances. You know, it's really funny. My dad, he's still talking like that, you know. (laughs) He's been in Australia for 60 years. 
and he says, hello, how are you today? Thanks to God, you know? And uh, sometimes when people introduce me as Danny Guglielmucci, I half expect people to think I'm going to talk like that, you know? Uh, but the trouble is, sometimes what comes out of dad's mouth, if you don't know what he's saying, you can get the wrong end of the stick. He just gets the words mixed up. And, and there's another group of Italians now coming to Australia right now, young people that are migrating to Australia with the same issues, the same accent. And so we've done a little alteration to our house at the back of our house and I've had all these Italians working there. And you know, the Italians, they came, they saw, they concreted. And so, you know, um, that's the Italian culture, you know. And, uh, and so <coughs> the builders are mainly Italian in our city. And I've had these guys working on my house, but I took holidays while I were working on my house, and what was supposed to take three weeks has taken three months, because I cook lunch for them every day. And so by the time we've had lunch, they don't want to work anymore. Uh, they're too full, they want to go to sleep. And uh, they have all their words mixed up, and one of them says, he's going through a bit of a tough time, and he goes, you know, Danny, you've got to no imagination what I've been through. And I'm going, I'm not sure that's the right word. You know, he goes, you know, my wife, she was having the baby. And I had to rush her to the hospital. She was having contradictions. <laughs> you know, I said to my daughter, you come home late one more time. That's the strawberry that broke the camel's back. <laughs> no more. That's the tip of the ice cube. <laughs> so this morning, I hope what I say and what you hear line up. Because sometimes what's said and what's heard are different. And I pray that you'll hear the word of the Lord today because I want to encourage you. But I'm trying to be a little bit funny at the beginning because this message makes me cry a lot. And I don't have anywhere in my notes where it says you can cry at this point. So it just happens. So as I share my story with you, if I get a little emotional, I might not. But if I do, please, um, please understand I'm not trying to bleed on you. I want to bless you. But there is pain in the midst of our journey. And as I said on Friday the 22nd of January... Uh, 2016, our lives changed forever. I was at home preparing a message to speak to a number of churches as we were having a church together event uh, in the south of our city and I was the speaker for this event and I was preparing away and as I'm preparing, a lightning strike hit our city that was so loud and so strong that I jumped out of my chair. I was on the phone at that exact moment to the pastor who's taken over the church from me, Pastor Jonathan Fontana Rose, and I said, did you hear that? He said, yes, I'm at Adelaide Airport waiting. They won't land planes at the moment because of the storm. And I'm waiting for Dominic Russo, one of the preachers from America, to land. So he's coming for the weekend. And I had no idea that was the exact lightning strike that killed our son. Within a few minutes of that strike hitting our city, the police rang our home and said to my wife, my wife answered the phone, said, you need to get to Mount Barker in the Adelaide Hills. There's been an accident. Your son's been hit by lightning. And at that moment, I knew our son had gone. I just knew intuitively we had his children with us. He has four children, uh, two older ones, teenagers, and two younger ones. And the younger ones were at our home. They were in the pool. My wife had already pulled them out of the pool because of the weather. And uh, we had to get in a car, and it was the longest drive of my life, 50 minutes to get to the Adelaide Hills, saying to God, I hope this is not what I think. I hope this is not what I think. I remember arriving at the hospital with my wife and our grandkids, and as I got out the car, my legs had turned to jelly. 
And I felt like I couldn't walk with, with the absolute stress of what I think was happening. And, and we walked into the hospital and two nurses met us at the door. They said to me, uh, uh, is, your, uh, is your name Danny? And I said, yes. Are you the father of Chris? I said, yes. I said, will you please come with us? And I knew something wasn't right. And they took us into a room and sat us down, my wife and I and our grandkids that were with us. And two nurses I've never seen in my life. Two nurses, I had no idea anything about them and they didn't know anything about me. They said, sir, can we just do something? I hope it doesn't offend you. And I, I said, I don't care, I don't know. I was too upset, I was crying. And they just laid hands on us and started praying. And just started praying. And one of them started praying so uh, full of compassion. Oh God, let your love come right now. Oh God, let your peace come right now. I didn't know who these ladies were. I've never seen them since. But a few minutes later, they took us into a room where our son's body was lying there, where he'd been killed by this lightning strike. I don't think you ever get over anything like that but I also want to say I've met people in this church that have been through even worse some of you a lady and a husband I met the other day at the pastor's meeting who's lost two of her kids so I'm not standing here saying it's only happened to us but I believe what I'm going to teach you today can help us through whatever we go through I think there's a picture up there of our son Chris and I can't look at it too much that beautiful face will make me cry he was a beautiful man of God 39 years of age four grandchildren from the age of 14 down to five at the time he passed away and I remember everything went to black and white from color to black and white it's like I don't want to live anymore the, the, we had had some issues in our relationship a while back through ministry challenges but we'd had a restoration of our relationship only a few months before and only a few days before he passed we were driving in the car and he said to me I love you dad and and, and so good what God's doing in our family and I said and I love you Chris and we're sharing love for each other and not knowing that would be the last time we would speak and that on a Friday at two o'clock in the afternoon, after a couple of days of connecting like this, he would be taken away from us. And so you can imagine how difficult it is. And, and I went into a time of absolute shock. Absolute shock, as many of you would understand if you've had loss. You, you just don't know what to say. You don't know uh, what to do. You just got no idea what's going on. And, and uh, I, I remember there was a knock at my door about four days in. And it was one of our pastors, Pastor Matt Stevenson. Pastor Danny, I, I, I don't know how to talk to you. I don't know what to say. I haven't had a loss. But I went and found a book by a theologian called Nicholas Walterstorff. Nicholas Walterstorff has written a book called Lament for a Son. He lost his son in a mountain climbing accident uh, over 10 years ago. And as a theologian, a lot of people don't even understand his writing, but this book, I read it from cover to cover before giving it to you, Pastor Danny, and I think you're going to find yourself in the pages of the book. I'll give you a summary of some of the things that Nicholas Walterstall says in his book. The pain of the no more outweighs the gratitude of the once was. Will it always be so? I didn't know how much I loved him until he was gone. Is love like that? When we're all together, we're not all together. Job chapter 7 verse 9 says he will never come to his home again. His place will know him no more. It's hard to bury a child because our parents belong to our past, but our kids belong to our future. Does enduring while crying not require as much strength as never crying? We don't need to mask our suffering. I shall look at the world through tears. Perhaps I shall see things that dried-eyed 
I could not see. And as I began to read this book, I'm going to say something to you. It'll come good. Please don't get upset with what I'm going to say. I found it too hard to open my Bible. I found it too hard to read my Bible because I was afraid that I might find a scripture about God protecting me and why did my son die? I'd only preached at Hillsong Church about three weeks before he passed. And I preached on the Lord is my shepherd, not was my shepherd. He's my present. He's my providing. He's my personal shepherd. No matter what you go through this year, God doesn't have to be the provider of the past, but he's your personal shepherd. He is your present shepherd. And three weeks later, my son gets killed. So how do you get your head around the things that you read in Scripture? And So I was so afraid to read my Bible because I might find a verse I might not understand and that would question everything I've done, which I came to a place of asking, is this all real? Is this true? Is God for real? And so I went through a time of just sitting. And what I want to share with you today is that every Christian will go through times when we sit, times when we have to stand, times when we sing again, and times when we serve again. And God took me on these four postures, but I've got to say to you this morning, I think I made these decisions a long, long time ago before my crisis came. When I gave my life to Jesus, I gave my life to Jesus for richer, for poorer, for in sickness and in health, for better, for worse. When I became a youth pastor over 35, 40 years ago, and I traveled this nation doing youth camps up in Toowoomba and all around Queensland, all around Australia. I didn't come to Harvey Bay, but not far away. And I did youth camps. And at the end of the meeting, every night I would have a wedding service. And I would ask kids to come and get married to Jesus. And people would come and grab the microphone and say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'll give you my life. And, uh, you know, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I know that you signed the wedding certificate with your blood and you will never, ever divorce me. I did hundreds and hundreds of camps. And here I am now in a place of severe pain, one of the greatest losses a father could go through. And I'm asking myself, am I really married to Jesus? Is Jesus really real? And I started to ask all the tough questions all over again. But let me tell you, he did respond eventually. And so I want you to be encouraged by this message today. But there was a time of sitting. Uh, you know, only, only a few months before my son passed, I was on an overseas trip. And I was already uh, bruised over my middle son's brokenness. And I was flying to Paris to speak at a conference in Paris. And I'm flying with a pastor from Australia. And I'm on the plane and I said, I, I just don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can keep going. I don't know if I can keep doing this. I said, I just don't know. I need a word from God. We arrived in London en route to Paris. And we're in the Qantas Club. And I said to my friend, I wonder whether you or me are going to bump into someone we know. who Let's play a game and see who's going to find someone we know. He says, well, you're going to win. You're Italian. Everybody's your cousin. <laughs> and so um, we're in the Qantas Club and a man comes out from the, the washrooms and he goes straight up to my friend. David, how are you going? And I said, I reckon he's rigged this. You know, he must have got someone to come up and say, you know. But it wasn't. It was somebody that knew David that was traveling with me. And then he turns around and he goes, are you Danny Gook? I said, yeah, I am. He said, two of my sons went to a camp in Toowoomba many, many years ago. 
They responded to the wedding service that you did. They gave their lives to Jesus. They are pastors today. And Danny, I don't know what you're going through, but God wants me to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. I get dressed. And that night in Paris, I'm speaking through an interpreter. At the end of the meeting, a guy comes up to me. He goes, Pastor Danny, do you remember me? I said, no, not really. I'm sorry. It was Spanish. He said, I met you in Pithwelly, Wales at the AOG conference five years ago. And you prophesied over me. And you told me that one day God would send me to the strangest place. I was a policeman at the time. He said, I'm now in France and I'm in a place that's called the devil's elbow. We planted a church six months ago. We're up to 50 people. No church has ever survived. Pastor Danny, that word has come to pass. By the way, the Lord wants me to tell you, don't give up. I get to my hotel room that night and I'm just about to go to sleep. I get a phone call. It's from Australia. A man called Bruce Hills. And Bruce Hills rings me up and he goes, Danny, where are you? I heard the beeps. I said, I'm in France. I'm in Paris. He goes, I've just been in prayer. God told me to ring you to tell you not, don't give up. Seven times in a row over a two-day period, God knowing what was coming up ahead. But here I am now, a few years later, a short time later, my son gets killed and I find myself in a place where I can't move. I'm just sitting. My life is in shock. Everything seems so wrong. Watching people go about their everyday lives, watching people argue over silly little things would make me really upset. Watching people not forgive when you know that you don't get another chance. And I'm sitting there going, God, this is not right. Life really sucketh. It really does. And, uh, and I was feeling really, really bad. I found myself angry at people, angry at God. I found myself sitting for hours questioning the call of God on my life. And then one day I get a, a book delivered to my house through uh, mail. And uh, it was a pastor, a man who I'd never really met before. But he had come to a meeting uh, on the Gold Coast many, many years earlier when I was preaching at a COC conference. And I was preaching on the Gold Coast. And this man had lost his wife and he'd lost his daughter. His daughter had gone on RPA which is, uh, you know, uh, that show on TV. And she died on the operating table uh, when she was having an organ transplant. And then his wife passes away with cancer and he's a healing evangelist. And so he's in Queensland saying, I don't know whether I can keep going anymore. I don't know what to do. And one night someone said, there's a guy in town. He's speaking at the conference. Will you come? He said, I went to the conference and you were the speaker. And you spoke a series over the weekend called the Stretcher Series. And I did that in our church many years ago. In Mark chapter 2, it talks about a crippled man being taken to Jesus on a stretcher. And many years ago, God spoke to me and said, there are four kinds of people in the church. Those that never get on the stretcher. Nothing wrong with me. I'm all right. Their lives are falling apart, but they're living in denial. There are some people in the church, they never get off the stretcher. And they are the people that want you to carry them, but they don't want Jesus to take them to breakthrough because they just want you around all the time to help them because they're so lonely and they feel so desperate. They don't want Jesus. They want you. They want flesh and blood they can touch to touch their lives. There are other people who carry stretchers because if I'm a leader, nobody will know I'm broken. If I carry others, <coughs> sorry, if I carry others, 
then nobody will know I've got stuff going on inside of me. I remember God showing me this and then he said, then are the people that understand that Jesus didn't die on the cross so we would spend 70% of our life on a stretcher. He died on the cross knowing there'll be times we need a stretcher. But most of the time we know when to get off and start carrying others and don't waste the blood that was shed on the cross for us. And so we took our whole church through a pastoral care training of knowing when people need a stretcher, when they need to get off the stretcher, when they need to start carrying others and stand in breakthrough in front of Jesus. And so we started this in our church and I'm preaching this stuff at the conference and this guy, you may know him, his name is David Schaefer and David comes to the meeting and God says, you need a stretcher. You've lost your wife, you've lost your daughter, you need a stretcher. He then got up and got preaching again and got his life back together and today he's still ministering for God and he wrote a book called Grieving Upwards and he sends me the book and he says, Pastor Danny, you're in chapter two. When you get to chapter two of the book, you'll realize even though I don't mention your name, you are in the book and your story of the stretcher saved my life. You now need to take a leaf out of your own book. And you need to start letting us carry you. And I burst into tears. And, and I remember a night or two later, I'm, 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 I'm laying, sitting next to my bed. And I said, God, where do I go? Who do I turn to? You read the seven steps to healing, the eight steps to healing, the ten steps of grief. And I said, I don't even know where to turn. And right there, sitting by my bed, I felt God speak to me again. And he said, what about listening to the sermons that you've preached to everybody else? Because if they weren't worth preaching to you, they're not worth preaching to anybody else. I went to my office. I went to an old box of handwritten messages. And the first one I pulled up was stay in the boat in the midst of a storm that I had preached years and years before. And I got on my knees and I said, God, I hurt. God, I'm in pain. But even though I'm sitting right now, I don't know what to do. I'm going to trust you. And, you know, God's put, put this word in my heart. Trust sovereignty when there is no clarity. Trust sovereignty when there is no clarity. But clarity now, I hadn't read my Bible for about six weeks. I was totally freaked out. I'm telling you the truth right now. And then one day, I said, God, I've got to get back with you. My whole life has been with you. I know that I can stand on all the things I know about you, even though I don't understand this. And I said, you know, Lord, I hope you don't mind. But my son was 39 years old. I'm going to go to Psalm 39. Will you give me some clarity as I read Psalm 39? I don't know what's in there, but my son was 39. So I go to Psalm 39 and listen to what it says. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best... Each is but a breath. 39 years of age. Psalm 39. I've not changed my theology, friends, because from the day I said yes to Jesus, I knew that we live on a fallen planet. And that fallen planet has disease because if all the disease is taken away from us when we become Christians, then the minute you become a Christian, you should stop aging. Because aging is part of the curse. We have a redeemed spirit 
that's born again. But until there's a new heaven and a new earth, the rain can fall on the just and the unjust. And we live on a fallen planet. And God is a miracle working God. And He can choose to heal. And we can call upon Him. And I've prayed for more sick, sick people since my son's passed than ever before. I prayed for a man on a plane not that long ago whose son was paralyzed down one side in hospital in Brisbane. And as I prayed with him, after telling him the story of our loss, he still let me pray for him. And guess what? The next day that boy was released from hospital and I got a phone call from a pastor in Brisbane who said a guy turned up at our church last week with his wife and a son who's been healed. He said, you prayed for him on a plane. I want to tell you, I believe in the healing of God. But I also believe what came to me in my journal only a couple of days later. Remember, six weeks of not reading the Bible. I was too afraid. And then all of a sudden, I start to feel like I need to get back to what I know is the truth. And my reading was Jeremiah, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Listen to this. The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. We're not accountable for them. But we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. And so all of a sudden I went from sitting to standing again, not on the pain and the hurt, but what I knew about God. My mind went back to when he called me. My mind went back to a story that I, it just makes my dad cry every time he tells it. When I was born, I was born with an incurable disease. They said that I wouldn't last a year and I'd cry every night. I had a massive growth uh, uh, in my body, not, not the one I've got now, but you know, like, you know, you know it, was a, it was like a tumor on the outside of my body. Uh, I was born uh, premature. I was in a Huber uh, crib and I was in South America and my father held me in his hands as a baby and he said, God, if you heal him, you can have him. If you heal him, you can have him and you can go wherever around the world to preach the gospel because we can't see this pain much longer in this body. Please, Lord, take him or heal him. And that growth in my body on the outside of my body disappeared that night during the night and I was healed during the night. And my father tells that story everywhere. So why would God heal me then but not heal my son? I don't know. But I want to tell you, when you don't understand, you can still stand on what you do know about God. And as I began to look at all the things I knew about God that I couldn't deny, I would be a foolish man to walk away from God because I don't understand everything the God of the universe does. I remember the day he called me into ministry. I remember the day he gave me 10 promises as we planted a church that have all come to pass. Oh, miracle after miracle. And as I began to add up all the things that God had done in my life, I realized it's okay to sit. There are times when God understands our brokenness and we just sit, we cry, we don't understand. I didn't pray, I couldn't read my Bible, but God brought people along my side that could carry me because I needed a stretcher. I needed someone to carry me on the stretcher. Pastor Jeff Woodward, one of my best friends in Perth, just got on a plane, just flew over and just sat with me, would just make me coffee and cry with me and say, I don't know what to say. I said, you don't have to say nothing, just thank you that you're here. And so for six weeks, seven weeks of just sitting in absolute agony, my little grandson walks in one day and uh, he's got his dad's hat on. And, uh, and uh, you know, I said to him, I said, uh, uh, Elijah, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
And he goes, I don't know anymore, Nana. I don't know anymore. And I turned around and I walked out the room and I burst into tears. He said, don't cry, Nana. Heaven is our home. He was 10 years old at the time. He's 11 now. And uh, no, he was nine at the time. It was two years ago. And I remember walking back out into the back room and I could smell aftershave everywhere. And I said, Elijah, you're only nine. You don't shave. What are you doing? And he pulls out a bottle of Jean-Paul Gaultier aftershave. He goes, this was my dad's. He goes, no, no, I don't want to forget daddy. I love my daddy so much. And then I lose it again. I lose it again. And watching this kid navigate the loss of his dad. And I realize that we can stand again even after we've been sitting. There's a generation waiting for us to show them how to live in the midst of pain. And so I'm hugging this kid. We're crying together and realizing he's not going to see his daddy again. And then I realize, what do we, go, what do, we do from here? And all of a sudden, as I began to see all the promises that God had fulfilled in 40 years of ministry, I could not deny the reality of God. I started to sing in the pain. I want to write a book called Singing in the Pain, where I began to realize that singing wasn't a song, but singing was a posture. Singing was a posture, though the fig tree does not blossom and there be no fruit on the vine, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, in the God of my salvation. How many Christians walk out on God when things go wrong? I've seen it as a pastor over and over again. And I want to tell you, I would go to worship Monday morning and as I would stand at the front, all I could see was a picture of his coffin because the funeral was in our church, the biggest funeral in the history of our state. They had to have four auditoriums to fill the auditoriums for the funeral where government figures came. They spoke about our son in Parliament for two weeks and then sent me what they said in Parliament on government letterhead to say, we have never heard of a story of a young man that would lay his life down for young people. And I go, where did that come from? And so there's all this joy and being proud as a dad and there's all this pain. And I got my hands raised listening to music that he helped write singing songs that he had partly written. And all I could see was a picture of a coffin in front of me, my hands raised, tears running down my face, saying, God, I don't fully understand. It hurts real bad, but I'm not just going to sit. I'm going to stand on what I know is true about you. I didn't come to Jesus for what he does. I came to Jesus for who he is. And I came to Jesus because he's the truth. And I began to sing again. And I began to sing again, but I was singing in the pain. I was singing with such pain in my heart that people thought I was enjoying the worship, but they weren't tears of worship. They were tears of pain. But in the midst of it, I just kept worshiping Jesus. And so I continued to sing because praise is the language of faith. And today I'm standing in front of you and I'm serving. Because you see, I don't serve God because the church needs help. I'm not serving because I'm trying to kill the pain. I serve because of one thing. It's called the resurrection. If Jesus Christ hasn't risen from the dead, then we're stuffed. We really are. And I want to tell you, my friends, if my son, whose life message was eternity, his life message, he preached on eternity more than anything else. I wonder why. I don't know. At the age of 39, went to heaven. I'm grateful for the resurrection because one day I'll see my son again. And because of eternity, my friends, today, I can serve Jesus. He's worth serving. Time has run out.
country and western singer Loretta Lynn wrote a song everybody wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to die she lost two kids when she wrote that song oh, she wrote that song after losing two of her children oh when I sit I trust in the sovereignty of God but when I stress my faith in the proven promises of God when I sing I show my resolve I have decided to follow Jesus and when I serve I show that I'm a citizen of heaven you know, you know the hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. The lyrics are based on the last words of a man in Assam, North East India, who, who along with his family was converted to Christianity in the middle of the 19th century through the efforts of a Welsh missionary. Called to renounce his faith by the village chief, the convert declared, I have decided to follow Jesus. In response to threats to his family, he continued, though none go with me, still I will follow. His wife was killed. And he was executed while singing the cross before me, the world behind me. This display of faith is reported to have led to the conversion of the chief and others in the village. The formation of these words that became a hymn is attributed to the Indian missionary, Sadhu Sunday Singh. Folks, tonight I'm going to show you a picture of my 11-year-old grandson I got to baptise just recently. I'll tell you the story of his Jesus revelation. You see, I could have given up and my kids would have had no hope. My grandkids today, my eldest grandson is now 16. He wants to be a youth pastor and finish the work that his dad started. My grandkids, his children, four of them, are all wanting to serve Jesus. And the, the week after my son passed away, our 14-year-old grandson, who's 16 now, wrote a poem to his dad. I will close with this. Everyone who's looking at this post, he'd done a post right now, I want to ask you a favour, please. Cherish your fathers, not just today, but every day. Don't take them for granted. Cherish every moment you spend with him. Make jokes, build Lego, read stories, watch movies. Do whatever you like to do with your dad, because he won't always be there. I only had my dad for 14 years. He passed before he turned 40. I wish I'd spent more time with him. I wish that I treasured him more. I wish he didn't go. I've written a poem to him and I'm sending it up to heaven for him to read. It's called My Father. And it's about me having a conversation with my dad about him leaving us and going to heaven. And I'd like you to read it. Please, my father, I beg you to stay. Don't worry, Zeke. We'll meet again someday. Help me, Father. I'm so upset. You were someone I'll never forget. Come, my father, we need you here. Don't worry, Zeke, I'm always near. Hey, my father, why'd you go? God has his reasons, you'll never know. Dear my father, you're forever in my heart. From this day forward, we will never drift apart. Goodbye, my father. You were my own. It's okay, Zeke. Daddy's home. 14. We owe it to a new generation to have an authentic Christianity. It's okay to sit when times are tough. It's okay to be honest about our not connecting with God and wondering what's going on. But thank God for the grace that helps us stand again and helps us sing again and serve again so that we can raise a generation of young people that don't run away from God when things go tough but He's God all the time and He's real. Father, this morning, there are people all over this room 
I'm not the only one with pain. And there's people all over this room with huge pain. Father, I pray that you'll give them a heaven hug today. Help them know they can stand when they don't understand. Father, I pray that as we sit, stand, sing and serve, we will do our time on this planet, getting ready for eternity where we'll be together forever and ever and ever, living out the greatest purpose you originally intended. Help us today, I pray in Jesus' name. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Ross and I'm going to stay after the meeting. God's told me to hug people that have lost children. God's told me to pray for people that are going through all kinds of separation and pain. And I don't want to just run along and tap you on the head. I know we have another service starting at 10.30, so I'm going to hand back now. And then when the service is dismissed, I'd love to just be down the front here and pray for some of you that are going through unbelievable pain right now. I don't want to just bleed over you. I want to bless you with my pain in understanding yours. God bless you today. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.